two sisters lived on separate sides of the states. One in NYC and the other LA. They both moved to Chicago and decided to stay. Now here's their playful podcast packed with Kid Lit Parlay. Children's books. Are they really that great? Talking children's books is with Kate and Hughes Ace. Children's books. Why, what, and how? Buttons. No, that wasn't where I was going. Oh. Uh, and now you've thrown off everything. Yeah, I can't think of anything now but beautiful buttons everywhere. Too bad today's book is not button related, I gotta say. No, I was thinking more about the fact that uh, Halloween's over. We're, yeah. now in, we're now in November. Mm-hmm. It's cold. It is. You're, you're preparing to make a, make a turkey for the whole family. Oh, God. No pressure. Yeah. Because if it's bad, you know. That was a stupid idea. I'll lead a riot. Why did I think that was a smart idea? I I am all for it. Um, Though I am having uh, post-Thanksgiving stress syndrome where you walk into the grocery store and you see turkeys. And you're you're not the one doing it, but you're going like, must get turkey. Oh, no, I don't. Did you know mom is having nightmares about thinking that she needs to prepare the dinner? Yeah. And then she wakes up, she's like, oh. Kate's got it. Yeah, I'm doing the same thing. This is a very common, a common thing that's happening. And it's because of you taking the pressure off of us. So thank you, Kate. You're so welcome. Thank you. Yep. I really hope you like the way I make this turkey. It's from a recipe called uh, El McDonald. Have you ever uh, ever heard of it? You're terrifying me. (laughs) You're actually terrifying me. I think we'll be doing it at home this year yeah yeah um so i'm betsy bird i'm kate yeah and this is a podcast where we talk about picture books yep and if they're good Mm -hmm. and if they're bad which they can be and they can be oh (laughs) that last one we did people liked that episode because people like it when we don't like stuff we're more interesting, I suppose. I'm uh, bring it on. I'll not like everything you give me. Nope, nope, not gonna do What's that. This, That's a what, different podcast. What's this book? It's uh, just the hungry caterpillar. I hate it. This is just the Kate hate, <laughs> the Kate hate podcast. I'm okay where Kate with that. hates on everything. Yep. Yeah, I'm gonna give you like the cutest, sweetest thing. You'll just be like, ah, die. Ah, uh, it's stupid. It's drugs are stupid. The words are stupid. I could do this. Yeah. When I retire, I'm gonna write a picture book. Uh, no. So, but however, I will say today's book, uh, is very much in the theme of Thanksgiving. Ah. Do you remember I said that there, there is no Thanksgiving yeah. uh, picture book? And yeah. I will stand by that. Uh, there is no famous, no famous caveat picture book about Thanksgiving. However, what does one do on Thanksgiving? You watch football. No, nope, besides that. Uh, you watch the dog show. No, all, yes, but no, besides that. Uh, you eat a turkey. Oh, uh, well, the first part of that sentence was... Eat. Eat! Yeah, eat! Yes. You eat food. Yep. Doesn't have to be turkey. Some people go with the tofurkey or the... What's the one where... The turducken. Tur- turducken. Yeah. Yeah, no. That's... We're not having turducken? Nope. That's good, because I don't care for duck. Okay. Duck's awful greasy. 
but today's book is not greasy at all. That was the worst transition. Yeah, I we just, tried so hard. I was so like diving for it, and like a you know when effort. you're like diving for something, and, like midway there, you're like, no, no, stop! And your feet are already off the ground, and you're sliding on your stomach. That's what that was, verbally. Uh, yes, no, but this today's book. Oh, oh, this we're in for a treat. We're in for a treat, literally. Here, drum roll, please, if you'd be so kind. Oh! Wow. Cloudy with a chance of meatballs. Cloudy with a chance of meatballs by... Judy Barrett. Illustrated by... Ron Barrett. Yes, what a coincidence that was. Um, yes, over one million copies sold, says this copy from... I'm going to take a guess it was from the early aughts. Um, so it's certainly... Oh yes, this this was uh, this was quite a while ago that this came out. So yeah, I'm gonna assume that it sold more than that since then, especially with the rise of the film right. of the same name. I, you know, I will not say based on the book. We're gonna get to that. But have you ever read this? Uh, I haven't read it. I saw mm -hmm. the movie years, yeah. years ago. Yeah, I liked that movie. It was all right. It was all right. It was an all right film. Well, uh, purge it from your mind because it has nothing to do with the book whatsoever except for the name. And food falling from the sky. Spoiler alert. Uh, go read this thing. Okay. Oh, and warning, it's super long. While Kate goes and reads an obscenely long book, I am going to uh, ask you a quiz question. I didn't offer you one last week. Because uh, it didn't feel like it. But what the hey? Let's do one this week. Just for kicks. If you think you know the answer to this, you can email me at fusekate8 at gmail.com. This is an easy one. I'm doing a low ball. I'm doing a, you know, like when you take a basketball and you do it granny style into a basketball hoop, which supposedly is easier, but with my skills is still very hard. That's what today's quiz question equivalent is. So we're all about the metaphors today. I love them. All right. Easy question. What is the name of the sequel? To Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs. What is the name of the sequel? And it's not Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs 2. Nice try. And we're back. And you're back. Yes. And the book is back. It's here. We're all back. Yes. Yes. And there are thoughts. Many. Of the book. So many. Yeah. But those thoughts have to wait. Aww. We have to put them on pause. Because nobody knows what this book's about. They may have seen the movie, but this book is not the movie. It ain't the movie. It ain't the movie. So, initially, I was thinking to myself, what hasn't Kate done voice-wise? And I thought to myself, she hasn't sung. But then I oh, thought, no, 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 I'm not actually, no, I'm not. Oh, good. I, I thought better of it because it came to me in a flash. Two words, Carnival Barker. Carnival Barker! I haven't done British. That's easy. Right? Carnival Barker! Oh, okay, Not fine. a British Carnival Barker. <laughs> they have a name for that, and I'm sure it's very original and interesting, but no, 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 no. Good old-fashioned Carney. In a Barker way. Go. Step right up, step right up, and take a look at the tiny town of Chew and Swallow, which is very much like any other tiny town, except for its weather, which came three times a day at breakfast, lunch, and dinner. But it never rained rained, and it never snowed snow, and it never blew just wind. It rained things like soup and juice. It snowed things like mashed potatoes. And sometimes the wind blew in storms of hamburgers. 
Life for the townspeople was delicious until the weather took a turn for the worse. The food got larger and so did the portions. Chew and Swallow was plagued by damaging floods and storms of huge food. The town was a mess and the people feared for their lives. Something had to be done and in a hurry. So what'd you think? A lot. Okay, let's start with the first page, which you have open on your lap before me. I do. It's the grandpa making breakfast for his daughter, or presumably either his daughter or his daughter-in-law mm-hmm. and her kids. Right. And he's making this, he's making pancakes. He is making pancakes, yep. Mm-hmm. With Aunt Jim's pancake mix. Aunt Jim? Let me see that. Let me see that. Well, be darned. Aunt Jim's pancakes. So light, they float. Um, is that a Auntie Jemima shortening? That well, but that doesn't look but, like but that would be, be but that would be syrup in any case. Yeah. And this is a this is a pancake mix called Aunt Jim's. So I'm gonna chalk that one up into the category of inside joke that we're not getting. Okay. Um, Note I like, to self: Ask Ron Barrett what the heck he was doing. Okay. I like uh, that the present time is all in black and white, and mm-hmm. then when he tells a story, it goes into color. That is interesting. Which reminded me a lot of. Wizard of Oz. Yeah. And that especially came huh. to fruition when there is the uh, tomato storm mm-hmm. happening. Mm-hmm. Um, where you have all these people inside of the storm. Yeah. Just like the it's tornado. Very tor- it's a tomato tornado. Yeah. Yeah. And they are. There's even a guy in a boat. And I'm pretty sure that guy in the boat. There, there's two men in a boat, I think, in Wizard of Oz. And I think. Is there a person a in a bathtub? And... and there appears to be a Magritte person with a bowler cap on in a doorway, which is fascinating. Yeah, there and there's houses which look very much like the houses from Wizard of Oz. Yeah, so I just thought that was a, huh. an interesting... Like a little homage. Yeah. That's nice. I like homages. Uh, Pro-homage. Here's what I don't get. Food is coming from the sky. Yeah. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner. That's correct. All the time. All every, Periodically. But I only see three fat people in this entire book. <laughs> One of them being our main guy here with his plaid jacket. Well, I think we've established this is in America. In America, if food was falling from the sky, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, yeah, we'd be eating that. I'd be eating that. Be like, I'm not hungry, but it's there. Um, but perhaps in this country people are a little more circumstantial. I mean, if you've grown up there your entire life, I don't know, though, because we do know that it, it, the food can get bad. And wouldn't you gorge on the good food and for fear of what was going to happen with the next meal? Yeah, I hmm. I want to know all sorts of things. Like, yeah. number one, <laughs> how do they say skinny? Number two, <laughs> what kind of home Maybe they're ins- French. What kind of home insurance policies do they have? Oh, I've wondered about that. Like, yes. How is their roof insurance? Yep. I think the roof, like the roofing, we don't know what the economy is here and what it relies on, but I would bet that the city fathers probably are roofers, one and all, because this is like the town you would have to have the strongest roofs in. Number three, Mm. is the food cooked when it comes down or is it raw? No, it can't possibly be raw. We're looking at hamburgers. 
So you think all the food, the yeah, hot dogs, that's all, the burgers. Every single one. It's all cooked. All is cooked. Well, some people like medium. Some people like rare. Some people like medium rare. Tough tooties. What kind of <laughs> what kind of food are we getting here? Well, maybe there's a variety. Like maybe when the hamburgers fall, like you gotta look, you gotta scout about for the because you are going to be eaten off the ground, and they don't show that much. You see a lot of people like running to catch food, um, which I get, but no, you're gonna you're gonna pick a lot of that food up off the ground. I also just noticed that our main guy here with his plaid jacket. Mm-hmm. See how uh, he's not exactly skinny, but he's he doesn't ha- you know it's cinched at the waist. It, is, there, it goes inward, right? And then that is definitely an outward stomach, huh? With uh, you actually see a little peak of the. Well, no, he's wearing a pink shirt underneath. Yeah, but yeah you're right. The, that's oh, he's interesting. Yeah, huh? So in a matter of days, <sighs> well, it just maybe it fluctuates with the type of food. Like on healthy weeks, he's okay, but on. Uh, Corpulent weeks. By did you way, like my? Did you like my use of corpulent? It was very nice. I was very proud of it. Just yeah, English major. Little, little pat on the back there. But yeah. uh, we're digging this chair. Oh, right. He's got a killer chair, people. It's like it's got it's what is that? It's a pink eighties mm-hmm. chair mm-hmm. with some red and gold giant triangles all over it. Well, I'm gonna tell you, it can't possibly be eighties because this book came out in 1978, the year of my birth. So this is a pre-80s designer. I don't know what that chair was. So this is something that kind of <laughs> is disturbing to me. Okay. Here mm. is a, it's, it's, it's the page that says, dinner one night consisted of lamb chops. Okay. Yeah. We're looking at all these forest animals. Mm-hmm. We're looking at, you know, a nice deer drinking out of the water. Mm-hmm. We're looking at a piece of meat Lamb. Hanging a lamb chop, hanging off of an antler. Yeah. How do we know ne- that necessarily that is a lamb chop? I mean, they're talking about lamb chops, but maybe that could have been there for days. Maybe that's veal. It could well be veal. Isn't that screwed up? Oh no, that's totally screwed up. There is another book which we will never do because it is not a classic, but it's a Richard Scary book in which pig firefighters. Um, it's called a day at a fire day at the firehouse. Pig firefighters go out and they save a pizza place and the guy in charge of the pizza place serves them a big pizza as a reward, which is covered in bacon. Oh, that is wrong. It is so wrong. It is so wrong. And so, yes, that could be... I doubt it's venison, though. You don't have a venison steak, right? Sure. Why not? Do you? Yeah, why not? Can you? Sure, why not? This shows how little I know about <laughs> venison. Okay, maybe that's a venison steak. I don't know. I just thought that was kind of screwed yeah, up. Yeah, it's a little weird. But on the same page, they show the jello yeah. settling... Behind the hills. That made it into and, the movie. Right. And that mm-hmm. reminded me of the movie. Yeah. That's one of the... F- there's a couple moments. There's the hamburgers in the sky that are going to be falling. Mm-hmm. Right. Meatballs. Obviously. Yeah. And uh, I think... Uh, this is awfully gross, but oh. the newspaper for the Chew and Swallow Digest, where the spaghetti ties up the town. Mm-hmm. What is the name of the moving truck in that picture? <laughs> this bowel movers? <laughs> Oh, I'm five. That's funny. <laughs> That's funny. I'm sorry. I read that. And I was like, oh, yeah, they are. Yeah. Uh, and I didn't know that this book had um, dead children in it. Um. But, oh, I know exactly what you're about to say. But those. Oh no! Oh no! No, you're not saying what I'm thinking. You're gonna say those, my friend, <laughs> are dead children. 
They died eating cream cheese and jelly sandwiches. Look, they're sick children. It says very clearly they have stomach aches. Um, but he yes. looks alive, and he looks alive, well, and she looks alive, but those kids... You're right, those kids are... Uh, dead. Vitamin deficiency. There is nothing in those behind those eyes. They are just <laughs> gone. Oh, this is interesting. You're not mentioning... You've missed something. But keep going. We'll get what? back to it. We'll what? go back what? to it. No, all right, all right. Go back a little bit. Go back a little bit. When you said dead children, yeah. I instantly thought like, oh, she noticed the baby heads. The baby heads impaled on the oh, garbage I truck. I did not notice the okay. baby heads. So I'm going to tell you a story. Um, so Min Lee at Bottom Shelf Books. We've, uh, we've used Min Lee in the past. He's, he was the one who did that wonderful uh, Freudian analysis uh, that we did of Hop on Pop. Uh, mm. Hop on Pop and Mary Mommy. Um, so he did a post on Cloudy with a Chance Meatballs back in the day. And, uh, and here is what he wrote. Um... What began as the crazy musings of an old man quickly evolves into a harrowing tale of man versus nature and of immigration and cultural assimilation. I think that's a very interesting point. Reader beware, Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs has some truly disturbing illustrations. Mixed in with the sometimes awe-inspiring artwork, I particularly liked the hamburger storm clouds, the details of the illustration reveal an artist with a mischievously warped mind. For example, there is a picture of a terrified bird returning to the nest only to find that it has been smothered by a fried egg. I don't remember where that is, but apparently that's in there. Well, I'm, I'm on the... Oh, yeah, there she is. Yeah. The cardinal. She's staring at a fried egg. Yeah, because if her babies are under there... Yep. But now she has to consider... But right above it, a squirrel totally trips on some jelly. So Yo, sorry. that's awesome. And oh yeah, and oh that's great. Okay, uh, he goes on. Uh, think about the implications of that for a second. We just did so. In another particularly disturbing illustration, a sanitation truck has what can only be described as baby heads mounted on the front bumper. Once you start noticing these things, the illustrations, which are rich with quirky little details, becomes a Where's Waldo of the surreal and macabre. Could it be that the citizens of Chew and Swallow were fleeing more than just bizarre weather patterns? Maybe the sanitation department was just one arm of a sadistic government beast, and these brave souls were escaping from the confines of a brutal totalitarian regime. Bum, bum, bum. Now, as it turns out, the illustrator wrote in. <laughs> and uh, so did some writers, some other people. And they said, and here's his, his take on it. I illustrated this book. To clarify the heads. Sanitation workers in New York City find dolls in the trash, place the heads on the rods at the front corners of their trucks, which they use to navigate through tight spots. One can also see teddy bears on the radiator grills. What the reader sees is the work of playful garbage men, not sadistic maniacs. Because putting baby head dolls on a garbage truck is totally normal. Well, I was just thinking of Toy Story. You know, at the end of Toy yeah, Story 3. Yeah, Sid, yeah, with the toys. Well, no, no, at the end of Toy Story 3. Oh, 3. Yeah, where they have um, all the toys are Oh, on yeah, the on the front of the truck. Well, that's a trucks. Uh, that's like long-distance semi-trucks. Well, semi-trucks do it on the grill. And apparently, I mean, garbage trucks back in the day would put them on these things that would be for alleyways, which I did not that know. That makes sense. Yeah, it does make sense. Now that you know, you can be like, those aren't baby heads. Those are baby doll heads. So it's cool. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was... Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's, 
It's cute. Oh yeah. Keep going. That's it. That's it. That's all your thoughts. Yeah. All right. Those are good thoughts. Those I mean, are good other thoughts. Other than like you know, I don't understand how the bread can be in water for so no, long. No, I wondered that myself. And then be able yeah. to be stale enough in order mm-hmm. to uh, like have, that's some pretty stale bread. Have a freaking balcony. Yeah. You know. <laughs> yes, they make they make boats out of the breads and then they. I guess repurpose those bread in a land without trees into the houses, um, but yeah, I like the croissant roll as the, or maybe that's bologna. I guess that's bologna as a sale. But uh, this is the book. So I am surprised there aren't more books like this. The fantasy of gigantic food. That is a great, just a great fantasy in general. Um, there was a book called The Giant Jam Sandwich, but that is the only other book that I can think of where the whole focus of the book was on giant food that you can stand in and can capture mosquitoes. Um, you know, yeah, I mean, apparently Chew and Swallow has no bugs because if they did, that would be gross. Right. I mean, you have animals, but You have animals, but you don't seem to have... Yeah, no insects because... The instant that syrup fell on the pancake, it would just be a wall-to-wall sea of yellow jackets, well, right? Well, ants would be all Oh, the over. ants would be everywhere. I mean, you would have, like, a major ant problem. So I do this poll. You know, remember I had the poll, and I polled the people on the top picture books of all time. Right. This came in at 75. Whoa. Low. Well. Low. But, but you know, it may be fair. It did make it. Wait, that's pretty low, though, for having mm-hmm. over one million copies. Yeah. Have a movie made with the same title. This was before the movie. Oh. Okay, so this poll was conducted before the movie. It's possible that after the movie... Though, imagine, if you will, let's talk about the movie. So the movie comes out. The movie which bears almost no relation to the book. I mean, it's the same topic, food coming out of the sky. Yes, and it gives a reason for it, which this book does not bother with because it's right. a fantasy and they're not... Who cares why, you know, meatballs fall from the sky? It's, isn't it enough that the meatballs are falling from the sky? Mm-hmm. Now, when picture books are adapted to the big screen, uh, it usually goes way wrong. Uh, I think we've talked before in the past about the Cat in the Hat with Mike Myers. Grinch. With Jim Carrey. Yep. Uh, the Where the Wild Things Are with... <laughs> the Maurice Sendak Where the Wild Things Are live action movie. Uh, I wouldn't say that one wrong. I'm just going to say that's not for kids. I don't know. It's, I've, yeah. I read the book. I haven't seen the movie. I don't know. Well, we're going to do it too for someday, and it'll be the most depressing evening of your life because <laughs> that movie's a downer. Um, not a lot of wild rumpusing going on. Let me just say that. Um, but yeah, generally speaking, um, you know, any. The Lorax. Horton, here's a who. I mean, I didn't it's think all. I the Lorax was all that bad. But it... it was the opposite of the point. Like, when I saw the Lorax hawking in commercials, uh, gasoline powered cars, I was like, yeah. you did not get the point of this book. Yeah. So, I actually would say, and I'm, I'm going to back up a little bit here as I say this, but I think it's true. I would say that Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs may be the most successful picture book to big screen adaptation of a picture book. Ever. I think we're going to get comments on that. I am welcoming those comments. Come. Come at me, y'all. Tell me if anything was better. And no, 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 no. You're not allowed to bring up the Chuck Jones, uh, How the Grinch Stole Christmas. That's that's not a... I'm talking full-length feature film based on a picture book. So it has to be at least 90 minutes. Yeah, and if somebody brings up Alexander and the No Good 
you know, terrible, no good, very bad day, I will, I will, I will pop a vein. Uh, that's not, that does not, no. People uh, do it. People say it. So do not. I want to see your pop a vein. So do not. I will be oh. apoplectic with rage if you do that. <laughs> apoplectic. So, um, yeah, no, I, I would say maintain. This is the best adaptation because, because. Well, now I just want to think of something and challenge you. I mean, oh, yeah. Good luck just, with that, just, buddy. You're just asking for Good it luck with that. I would love to see you try. I'll figure it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe. Well, yeah, Ferdinand's about to come out, so maybe it's great. It's not great. Yeah, no. There's not much to say about it. I mean, it it existed for a really long time. It was memorable because of its concept. It has a good title. It doesn't have one of those medals on it. It does not. It didn't win a darn thing. They've never won anything. Um, Judy and Ron together, they're a good pair. They win nothing. Nothing at all. Um, he's done recent books even. He, they're still going. They're still blowing and going. At least he is. Um, but no. No. Never won. Never won one of those shiny little medals. Well, I guess you don't need to be successful and sell millions of copies with that little medal. That medal does not guarantee success. I've plenty of books with that medal that are completely forgotten to this day. Um, I doubt anyone remembers the name of Claire Newberry, so... Huh? was one of the authors. Yeah, see? Yeah. She did Marshmallow. Remember Marshmallow? Yeah. Eh? Eh? Mm, no. no. wasn't about a marshmallow. Did it fall from the sky? It did not. It was a kitten. Oh. Uh, which would be... <laughs> that would be horrible. That would be a horrible, horrible book. Oh, my God. Yeah. No. All right. So, but this is going to be kind of tricky for me. We're going to go to ratings here. And I'm... I'm... I don't know. You know? It... Again, we're running into the problem where, well, it's famous, therefore... I mean, I like the weirdness of it. And I don't think... There aren't a lot of... I'm not going to say that there, none exist. This is not true. There are books that come out um, that indulge in a little weirdness. There's a book out this year called Accident by Andrea Sarumi, um, which actually feels a lot like Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs in terms of just wackadiddly weirdness but this book is special and strange and uh i don't it is long under no circumstances warning under no circumstances read this to a group of children do not do it it takes forever to read aloud um it is long it's a whole lot of text yeah. Which I think is just because they had so many ideas. They were like, just pack them in. Like, what about this? What about this? What about this? Which I appreciate. So I, I, uh, here's the book. I'm passing it to you. What'd you wait this one? Um, I'm right down the middle. Uh, I don't hate it. I don't love it. I didn't read it as a kid. I think it's, it's clever. It's got cute little you know, things inside the, the illustrations, but it doesn't, I'm not going to, you know, remember when I have children to say, oh, oh, I must, I must read this one to them. Yeah. You know, if it, yeah. if I see it, sure, I'll grab it off a shelf. Yep. But um, I'm not going to go out of my way. Mm -hmm. So I'm a right down the middle five. Yeah, um, I agree with you completely. I, I did bring it out for the kids tonight. Uh, and said, hey, there's a book. And they read it, and then they moved on to something else, and I don't know that they gave even three thoughts to it after... 
I don't know. I feel like it when it first came out back in 1978 when dinosaurs roamed the earth <laughs> and I was born. Um, for some reason I was doing Catherine Hepburn there. I don't know why. Um, I think it was considered somewhat innovative. I think the use of color uh, was sort of well, yeah, I new. Like, I like the black and white for present color yeah, for yeah, the, yeah. you know, the whole Wizard of Oz thing. I think they did some very smart things with it. Um, and his technique, his sort of cross-hatched technique is very beautiful. Um, but at the same time, yeah, there's a reason it was number 75 on the list. Um, it's, it's a book that exists due to a lot of nostalgia more than anything else. Um, it is not a bad book. Uh, no, no. I was going to say none of the books we talk about are bad books. That's a, that's a damn dirty lie. Yep. Many of the books we talk about are terrible. Yep. This book is not terrible. No. But it's not, aside from the premise, it doesn't have heart. It, you know, it's nice when a book can sort of, like, grab you by the well, heart. It's, it's nice that he's telling a story to his grandkids well, sure, so that they can but, fall asleep. And I'm sure grandparents have told this book to their grandkids and on and on the cycle yeah, so. goes. But uh, it's not enough. It's yeah. not, it's not, a, there's no pull. Um, it's, and It's about food. It's about food falling from the sky, which is a cool idea. And, uh, and it inspired, so here's why I'm going to be slightly higher than you. Um, because it inspired the Cloudy with the Chance of Meatballs movie, which I would highly recommend. Uh, I really like that film a lot. Um, I'm going 5.5. Oh my god. Ah! Uh, so stupid. Ah! Uh, Fine. We've averaged a 5.25. Oh, now you know math. Okay, alright. <laughs> I can do it by quarters. <laughs> Yay! So um, I mean, this, but I don't think that makes it even if it's above. I don't think that makes it a. I don't think that makes it a classic. I that's think it, that's our rule. If it's a it's a five or above, it's a classic. Yeah. You are making it a classic with your point five. It's a it's it's a toe over the line classic. It's a just barely classic. It's like it's got its rear end just just grazing over the line. It's in, it's in the classic territory, but just, 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 just tiny bit. Tiny bit. It's just a tiny bit classic. Tiny bit classic. Tiny bit classic. <laughs> Woohoo! New designation. We're going to make like a chart, like a Venn diagram of all these things at some point. Yeah, we, got, gonna, like... we got tiny bit classic. Yeah. We've got classic in training. Yes. Yes. This uh, is not a classic in training. No. Uh, this has been out long enough and it will probably sink uh, in the future. Except the movie gave it a little bit of a kick. Yeah. But I think the movies are done now, and those will then sink into the sea of obscurity, and so will this book. So, there you go. Letters time! Oh. Which we actually have lots of them, um, to a certain extent, because when you do a terrible book, people get very excited. Yay! And they say all kinds of lovely things. <laughs> lovely things. And they give you information. And, oh, here's a quiz question for you, Kate. Uh -oh. Did Betsy get something wrong in the last podcast? I'm going to say probably. Oh! <laughs> how right you are. Yay! You know me well. <laughs> I did pretty okay. I did pretty okay all the way through. Um, except that I believe I said that the art was different for the original Canadian edition uh, than the North American, or not North American, the United States edition. Uh, this was not true. They had the same illustrator. It was the British edition. Uh, which had a different illustrator, uh, which is perfectly innocuous, and uh, but still better, somehow. 
Um, I, I learned about a, uh, a recent news article. Mm-hmm. Oh, all right. So back up. Here we go. This is about Love You Forever. <coughs> a Winnipeg couple, well known for their philanthropy, has snapped up the original illustrations from children's author Robert Munch's international bestseller, Love You Forever. John Bueller, head of Winnipeg-based agricultural equipment manufacturer Bueller Industries, and his wife Bonnie bought the entire lot of the 15 full-color illustrations and one framed group of drawings that Sheila McGraw created for the original version of the beloved book. We don't know the price, but it was probably over $300,000. Canadian or U.S.? Uh, nice. <laughs> I like that. So here's the crazy thing. So um, Charlotte's Web uh, has original art, and that was split up not too long ago um, to the four corners of the wind, and will never be reunited. But thank God, thank God, that the original art of Love You Forever can now remain together forever. With a cute little Canadian couple. Yeah. Yeah. Until they die. Well, you know, they oh. work in, it was agriculture, right? Do they own an agriculture? What is they it? own a agricultural equipment manufacturer. Well, yeah, you need mulch, you know? Yeah. And, uh... <laughs> you understand your comment about the landfills was the most popular part of that podcast. That was the part that everyone was tweeting. Like, was the rapport with the, like, there's 30 million copies out there. In landfills? Like, that was, like, quoted incessantly. Hey, we're all thinking it, all right? Well, of course we are. <laughs> it was just a little soon. Um, we have one actual letter letter um, that somebody wrote in. Uh, it was Stephanie. Stephanie, big, big new fan of ours. Very, hey. very, uh, she's a binging, she's a binging our last few, uh, our last few episodes. And she's catching up, because you can still do that now. At some point, it will be harder to catch up on. But for now, she's catching up. And she wrote the following. Actually, let me have you read it, because I keep reading all this stuff today. Can you actually read what, what she had to say there? As I, have made a, as I have made abundantly and perhaps rather embarrassingly clear on Twitter, I am in the middle of binge listening to your podcast. Because of this, my eight-year-old has heard some bits of shows and had this reaction. Are they teenagers? They sound like teenagers. All crazy and loud. <laughs> Great. Uh, so there you go. You guys sound like teenagers, which is a high compliment from him and also might mean that I'm not crazy and loud enough around here for him to think ladies of a certain age can also sound like that. I'm a lady of a certain age. Keep being loud and crazy, Stephanie. Thank you, Stephanie. That was super sweet. And uh, Wait, I, we sound like teenagers? Apparently so, because we... I guess we're not dead inside, so <laughs> I have no idea. I don't know. I think I don't think I do. I'm. I could probably pass for like a Daria, you know. Yeah, you could pass for a Daria. I, na, you na, remember na, me when na, I was a teenager? Na. I did not. You can sing the Daria theme song. Na, 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 na. Oh my gosh, that was the Daria theme song. You know, I quote that all the time whenever we're going somewhere and we're not sure where we're going. Like, are you sure? You remember that episode where like the the stupid football player with his um, with the girlfriend with the girlfriend yeah. and like she could keep him away from a certain place forever by simply saying, "Are you sure?" and then he would keep going. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> I got completely sidetracked by that. But yep. yeah, no, I uh, I was a completely silent teenager. Uh, never said a word. So yeah, I'm a very uh, so now it's coming out. It's it, oh yeah, you're a late. Blooming, oh, it was latent. You're a late bloomer teenager. I'm a late bloom apparently. Yeah, I would. I would like. It just to took be you a little, 20, 25 years. I don't all. know if that's something to aspire towards. <laughs> like, oh, I finally had my adolescence at thirty nine. <laughs> <laughs> Woohoo! 
Watch out, boys. All right, grown up things we like. Grown up things we like. We like grown up things because they're grown up things we like. What do you like? Um, I discovered today uh, something that probably no one will like. Ooh, but I'm okay with it. I don't lay think, it on me. I don't. I don't think our listeners are gonna digger, which is cool. It's whatever. It's. it's I ran across her and I thought she was very interesting. She's a Chicago-based rapper, and her name is Cupcake with two Ks. And I was reading a article about cool and not cool celebs according to teenagers because I want to be cool. I saw and that article and I meant to click on it and then I didn't. Yeah, I totally on. read it. And she's in there. She's oh. deemed cool. Oh. Um, and she apparently, uh, there was a 17-year-old fan on Twitter who reached out to her and said, um, my parents just discovered that I'm gay. They've kicked me out of the house. I have no place to stay. And, and your music is helping me get through this hard time. And she reached out to him and said, you know, can you get a hotel? You know, and he's 17, so he couldn't. And it's like, it's okay. I'll find someone, a friend that I can stay with. But she like, you know, reached out to him and made sure that he was okay. And I thought that was really awesome. And then I came across this, there, you know that series of videos, Elders React, like Elders React to, you know, the newest iPhone or, you know, this music or I'll whatever. I'll trust you on it. Yeah. So there's this, these series of videos of old people, you know, giving their opinions on things. And one of them is this rapper, Cupcake. And they show, they, first they show these old people um, a few very raunchy videos that she does. Um and she's very funny, but they're very on the verge of pornographic. Mm-hmm. And then they show the old people these videos. She has a song called LGBT. Mm-hmm. She has a song where she talks about uh, pedophilia, where she talks about sexual violence and so- different social issues. And she's only 20 years old, and she's, she's very quick with her tongue. Mm-hmm. Kind of reminds me of Eminem. Um, so she can do these very quick rhymes, but you have to really listen in order to get it. And when she does these, uh, songs like about LGBTs, um, it's very powerful, but you really have to listen carefully to what she's saying. Anyway, I thought she was awesome. No one's probably going to like her that's listening to this, but maybe. Oh, I you could, never know. I could be pleasantly surprised. You could be very pleasant. It could be that all the listeners would be like, yeah, we knew about that like a year ago. Like, why are you bringing it up now? So, yeah, yeah who knows? I mean, teens think Cupcake is cool, so now yeah. I think Cupcake is cool. Well, there you go. <laughs> hey, man. It's, it is it is what it is. So that's, that's my thing. All right, that's awesome. All right, uh, mine is another podcast, because apparently that's all the grown-up stuff I do. Um, but no, no, not it isn't, but it is today. Because I recently discovered, um, while talking to a friend, well, well, I guess it's sort of twofold to a certain extent. Um, so a friend of mine at work and I were talking about the fact that uh, we were both fans of uh, the old TV show Better Off Ted. You remember Better Off Ted? No. You know who else doesn't? Everyone? America. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. yeah. America doesn't remember Better Off Ted. The greatest dead sitcom of all time. It ke- Portia de, de Rossi um, plays the head of an evil corporation. And in each episode, the employees basically have to deal with whatever new evil thing the corporation is doing. And it, it's, a, it's a wide gamut of evil things this corporation is capable of doing. It was a delight. Very fast, 
very witty, died after two seasons. It, it, it was just gone. Um, anyway, as we were talking, she mentions, my coworker, that uh, Larry Wilmore uh, has his own podcast. Now, Larry Wilmore started out on The Daily Show. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure he had a life before then, uh, but that was how I first encountered him. And in my experience, when a person starts as a correspondent on The Daily Show, they're not great at the beginning. Um, there's a real learning curve where, and especially if what they have to do is sit down behind a desk and spout off about something. Um, that is one of the hardest jobs. The only correspondent, by the way, who I think never had a learning curve moment was Jessica Williams, who just knocked it out of the park from the first time she was on that show and just kept going ever since. Larry Wilmore took a while to find his feet. Um, and then eventually, you know, he got his own show, um, The Nightly Show which was great. And we really, my my husband and I really, really enjoyed watching. Um, And he would talk about all sorts of different topics. And like, I loved whenever he talked about Bill Cosby because he would just randomly suddenly bring up Bill Cosby and be like, I still haven't forgotten about you. (laughs) Like, because the rest of the world, you know, had, he was the only person who talked about that incredibly controversial, he was only late night host, I should say, who talked about the controversial picture book, uh, A Birthday Cake for George Washington, a book uh, we will never do. Okay. Not, not a classic, as it turns out. Really not one. So he, um, anyway, he's got a podcast. Uh, it is delightful. Um, it's a lot of interviews. It's a lot of him talking about things uh, that I'm just not hearing anyone else talking about. Um, and so it's called uh, Larry Wilmore, uh, Black on the Air. Uh, you can download it any place you download podcasts, but two thumbs up over here. And uh, yay, Larry. Good. Glad to see you're back. Cool. And that's it. You know what? What? I'm like super hungry now. All right. Let's go find some pancakes from the sky. I need a meatball to put in my coffee cup, apparently. Yeah. That's... I served Brussels sprouts tonight, but when I was younger, this was my only encounter with Brussels sprouts, and uh, it does them no favors. I'm just going to say. Nope. None. So... Spy on the cloudy with a chance of meatballs. But we still kind of like you. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I'm Betsy. I'm Kate. Bye. Fuse 8 and Kate is a Fuse number 8 production. You can reach us at FuseKate8 at gmail.com. You can follow Betsy on Twitter at Fuse8. That's Fuse and 8. E-I-G-H-T. Follow us on iTunes and rate our podcast if you're so inclined. Our music is by Haddon Gibbons Kime, and our senior road warrior marketing intern is Drew Etienza. Fuse 8 and Kate is a creation of Kate Ramsey and Betsy Bird and does not reflect the views of School Library Journal.